This is the Mumsnet podcast brought to you in association with our lovely sponsors, Fairy Non-Bio. I'm Fee Glover and this one is all about play. (laughs) Playing with your baby. It can be a joy and let's be honest, it can also make you want to weep with boredom. When your baby is really small, it's particularly hard to know what to do beyond cuddling, cooing and wondering whether singing Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall is sending out the wrong message about playground safety. Then as they get bigger and start to key into the world around them, you can be a bit more imaginative and fill your house or flat with any number of interestingly shaped items in primary colours apparently designed to bring your baby on. And then comes, Mummy, you be the fox and I'll be the cat. Mummy, let's pretend we're two foxies. Okay. More on that in a bit. But what's really going on in a baby's brain when they're playing? Do babies need to be stimulated from one moment to the next? And as they get a little bit older, how much do you need to play with your child? Well, in this podcast, we'll try and answer all those questions with guidance from experts and from mumsnetters who've tried and tested every idea in the book. My daughter's 15 weeks old and I'm not sure how long to spend actively entertaining her. She'll happily play on her own for a bit, but then I feel bad and I end up playing with her. Sometimes I can't get anything else done as I feel I should be playing, reading and singing to her all day. My son is 10 months old and I do play with him for several extended periods of time during the day. Tickling or where's Bob? Where I search for him and he sits still until I look at him and say, there he is, and then he giggles uproariously. Interaction is the main thing, I think. I've just been unblocking my dishwasher and getting in there with the plunger. And my 13-month-old daughter loved watching and, well, helping by holding bits and pieces for me while I got on with it. I have to say I'm not really the the get-on-the-floor-and-play type of mum at all. It bores me to tears. I say, give them the tools to play and don't complain when they make a mess. My mum watched me leap up every time my son grizzled and do all sorts of gurning and toy swirling and she said, just leave him alone. Children need to learn how to just be. There's something to be said for that, isn't there? And careful now, everybody. Will the overstimulated baby turn out to be the attention-grabbing child? It's very true that each generation has its own attitude towards play and undoubtedly there is more on offer for babies to do than ever before from toys to CDs to TV shows to the baby sing-along a synapse stretching Spanish class. But babies themselves haven't changed over the generations. The basic model remains the same. So what is happening inside the baby brain when we're playing peekaboo for the 20th time in an hour? Dr. Sam Wass is a developmental cognitive neuroscientist. Infants' brains tend to be very disorganised and very slow at processing. And this is something that's very easy to forget. So they've done some experiments, for example. So the fastest rate that an adult can perceive is up to 10 hertz. So they can perceive things changing 10 times a second. The fastest rate that a baby can perceive is 1 hertz. So they're about 10 times slower. Um, So what babies are doing as they're playing is they're learning to build up these sets of specialised networks and specialised firing patterns. So one of the things that follows from this is, this is why babies love repetition. They love things that happen again and again that are very simple and very predictable. So we shouldn't be scared of repetition. We should definitely follow babies, you know, very strongly they exert a very strong preference for something happening again and again, like a peekaboo game. One, two, three, peekaboo! 
But if peekaboo won't carry you through until tea time, what other games can we play with babies to keep them and us entertained? I sat down with mum's netters Hattie, Nida and Jenny over a cup of tea and I asked them for their top tips on baby toys. The best present that we had when they were very little was someone bought us a box of boxes. It was literally just ten cardboard boxes stacked inside each other. And um, both of them liked them and they would take them in and out and when they got a bit older they'd start stacking them and they were numbered so then again as they got older they'd be working out the numbers and things so they lasted for a long time and got played with a lot. Yeah I don't none of my kids really played with toys they like things (laughs) but mainly things that I have so you know wooden spoons and stuff really old-fashioned things to just give your kids. A very good toy (laughs) for my child whilst I'm on the toilet is if you use your tampon box as a shape sorter (laughs) so she just tips out all the tampons and then enjoys putting them back in the packet and if we're going to pay tax on them we might as well use them for something else as well (laughs) I got my daughter a baby gym there was a mat and then she'd lie on her back and then things would dangle down and it had some black and white stripy things and like some mirrored objects and yeah I remember her quite liking that and that was when sort of from a newborn age to about three months There is something rather comforting about a return to black and white, but why is the monochrome world so good for babies? So babies' visual processing system is very elementary, um, so they're very short-sighted, and they can't make out any of the kind of fine gradations of colour and contour that an adult can. So they like things that they can understand. So these sharp toys with simple black and white colour contrasts, they prefer them because they can make sense to them. It's very hard for us to imagine what the world feels like from a baby's point of view. There's way more that goes over their heads than we'd necessarily expect. So they like these sharp black and white contrasts simply because they're something that they can make sense of quite easily. So if you've gone to all of the bother of painting one of those really beautiful animal murals on the baby's wall about 10 feet away from him, at what age are they going to sit up and go, oh, that's cool? Probably quite a lot later than you'd realise. And there's a reason why a lot of cartoons, for example, tend to be done with very sharp black outlines. And it's simply because a young child needs these sharp black outlines to work out, you know, where one object starts and another one stops. So don't worry too much about making your baby's environment all about baby. It's really only going to be the stuff right in front of them that counts. Incidentally, we never had a beautiful mural of the African savannah on our kids' walls, but I always rather envied people who did. What we did have were a lot of those scrunchy books. You know, the ones with a mirror and something that beeps, and they seem to go down very well. One of the things that we have to learn as we grow up is how one part of the brain talks to another. Um, So one of the reasons why babies love what we call multimodal toys is because every time that they touch something, they hear a noise or they experience a touch sensation. And that simply helps the parts of the brain that code touch and sense sensations to talk to one another and that's the reason why these books with crinkly pages and lots to touch are really great for babies as your baby gets a little older though and starts getting around and getting into everything you can start to long for things which just keep them occupied away from you for more than five seconds play pens used to be a must for the crawling months and today we've got some clever alternatives successful ones have been ones you can kind of I don't know if I can say this, just leave your child in. Like a jumperoo is pretty popular. It's sort of the circle of neglect, I think they call it, where you just pop your child in and they bounce away for hours <laughs> whilst you go and have a coffee or something. Yeah, what about you? 
Um, so I recently bought Maya a tent, a play tent, and she loves it because it's something she can go inside and, you know, hide in and take things in there. And I like it because it means she can go in there and disappear for a bit and I can sort of sit with a cup of coffee in peace. My son has a kitchen cupboard, which is quite deliberately filled with sort of plastic and non-breakable plates and cups and things. It's the ones that he uses and he loves to just have a rummage through the cupboard. But what about just being bored? Is a bit of boredom quite good for babies and small children? Here is the very wonderful Dr Rebecca Chilvers, who's a paediatric clinical psychologist. We know that babies enjoy and they need stimulation. And actually, when they're very small, they lack the skills to amuse themselves. So they need the scaffolding and they need the interaction with, with adults. That said, you know, life is busy and you don't have to be constantly playing with your baby to the exclusion of everything else that you need to do. But you know, when you're doing the washing up, when you're doing the cooking, you can involve them in that, you can be talking to them. At the end of the day, it's not the toys, it's you that your baby needs. And if you can remember that, you're the essential ingredient to all of their development. OK, so put your phone away, at least for a few baby-centred patches of the day. But as our wise mums have been keen to point out already, in order to keep your baby happy, you probably don't need to buy lots of toys. The stories of babies being more excited by the wrapping paper than the present are true. And some of the best things for playing with are the ones right there in front of you. Wooden spoons, plastic bottles from the recycling. We had a wine rack in the kitchen, modern living, which seemed like an accident waiting to happen for everyone. So we never had wine bottles in it and both babies happily spent hours putting fruit into it, particularly bananas, and then taking them all out and putting them in and taking them out, repeat to fade. And the mum's net boards are chocker with ideas on this one. Here's just a taster. Large sheet of paper, old wallpaper is great. Get your child to lie on it, draw around them and colour it in. Yesterday we spent ages threading pipe cleaners into a colander and my two-year-old loved it and it cost next to nothing. You just need a big cardboard box, a few cushions and some felt tips and bingo, you've got a bus that moves too. What was really successful for us is uh, my mother-in-law works with early years children and she made my eldest when she was a baby a treasure chest so you can make them a, a little basket you know even if they're at like four months when they're at the age of grabbing and um, when you can prop them up or sit them on your lap or they can be in a bumbo um, and it's got you can have a theme like a cookery theme or something just have a load of things that you can just find in the kitchen in the treasure chest and they love just emptying it out going through each one that was really successful for all of us. One of the things she enjoyed the most was a plastic bottle with pasta inside, like hard pasta, mm. just a shake from about six months. Well, you can put water and glitter in them, can't you? Make a, sh- a visual Not kind in of shake. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely no way. Is glitter bad? Pretty bad much, substance? pretty much, yeah. I, I have to be um, in a very indulgent mood or I've had quite a few glasses of wine before I let my daughter get the glitter out. Same goes for Play-Doh. Can't bear the stuff. It just... I get... Slightly twitchy if my daughter decides she wants to get a Play-Doh out. Oh, Play-Doh. Just the smell of it. It's the marmite of parenting, isn't it? Jenny hates it. I love it. In fact, I might do some shaping straight after this if it hasn't all gone hard. It's gone hard, hasn't it? The Mumsnet podcast is brought to you with the help of Fairy Non-Bio and the help doesn't end there. They've got these new liquid tabs available. They're softest ever for the whole family. 
So we've said small babies need some playful contact with us as parents and a few things to shake and rattle and stack. Equally, they do also need quiet space and there are important reasons for this. Here's the science of that from Dr. Sam. The baby actually needs these moments of silence sometimes. It needs these moments where it's not directly looking at you, where it's just, you know, processing something in the background. Um, so it's always important, you know, sometimes you have to remind yourself of that. You don't have to constantly be stimulating and entertaining them. Those early months and years of, of having a baby, it can be hard to work out exactly the kind of parent that you are. And there's a lot of anxiety surrounding babies. Is the baby's brain picking up on that? Is it possible that you are transferring that anxiety onto your baby? Yeah, so this is one of the uh, things that's very always very hard to talk about uh, with parents. The simple fact is it is. So anxiety is infectious, um, and there is research suggesting that um, babies do pick up on uh, parental anxiety um, in a variety of different ways. One of the ways is... Um, that there's research suggesting that anxious parents are less likely to leave the kinds of pause and kind of moments where it's, there are times when you're playing with a baby and the baby is looking away and not interacting with you. Uh, research suggesting at those moments, anxious parents are more likely to try to get in the baby's face, you know, to try and really go in there to try to reattract the baby's attention. They're fine on their own sometimes. And just as they start to need a bit of me time, they also start to change the parameters of play. As they pass out of the baby years, your child's play becomes much more led by them. And this is where you might find yourself being asked to be a fairy or a mouse or a fox. Mummy, let's pretend we're two foxies and smell for our cheese. Smell for our cheese? Yes. Now let's walk in. Now let's walk in our foxy hands. Okay. Mum's Netta Kate and her daughter Maddox are playing the fox and cheese game. Oh yes, everybody, it's role play. Our cheese has been hidden by us. Some parents love it and can't get the stuff out of the dressing up box quick enough, and some parents would rather get in the dressing up box and close the lid. I mean, I, I completely loathe playing with my daughter, and I think it's one of those things that I thought I would enjoy, and I don't. Um, because it's so incredibly boring and you just get shouted at and you don't understand the rules. And if you ever try and kind of play in any kind of logical or sensible way, then you inevitably get it wrong and you get shouted at and it's like, no, mummy, no, mummy, don't do like that. Um, I read something, I think, about how it's like good to start them off on something and then be very reactive, not proactive. So that is my justification for essentially being really lazy when we play and, and letting her kind of lead things. I have no idea what it is in your house, but I bet there is one themed role play that you get asked to do all the time. My son wanted me to be Bob the Builder's assistant. He wore a tool belt with plastic tools in it everywhere for about a year, and he spent most of the day bashing imaginary things into walls. I think probably he was trying to make up for how inept my husband and I are at DIY. After one rather poor attempt by us at putting up a coat rack, my mother once said to my husband, oh dear, the DIY gene has skipped a generation, hasn't it? That's the sort of play that I refuse to engage in. It's like, that's why I gave you a brother. Go and find him, play doctors with him. I'm not doing it. I just, I can't bear it. I'm just... Now, why not? Just because it bores you? It's, I don't know what it is. I, was, I mean, I was sort of the, 
the way I explain it is I was never very good at playing when I was a child, so I'm not, I haven't got any better at it with age. It was just not a thing I ever did myself as a child. So the first time my daughter came to me and pretended to be a cat, I just thought it was amazing. I was like, oh my God, you're so clever. Look at you with your imagination. Right, let's encourage this. Um, about a week later, after the hundredth time of pretending to be a dog, <laughs> being led around the living room, um, I yeah, I was just exhausted yeah, it, by it. It peels very quickly, doesn't it? <laughs> there are many situations during role play, I think, where as the grown-up, you actually want to just weep. You know, you've been stuck in your cat costume, metaphorically or even physically, for you know over four hours. You just wanted to stop. Is it really important never to show that you're hating? the role play that your small child has assigned you? I, I think you have to be realistic and there are times when you need to stop quite clearly to do things. Um, but, you know, in the in the world of a young child, it's hard for them to see things from your perspective and that you have a separate agenda. They're having a great time. Why would you stop? So it's really important to acknowledge how they're feeling and say, I can see you're sad. But we have to stop playing now. And really, in, in, in setting some of those boundaries, and it's not just for play, but it's all sorts of things in parenting, it's about the child knowing that you're in charge, but doing that in a really warm but firm way. And also really sticking to what you agreed. So if you're playing a cat, you know, it's one more game and then we're finished and actually really finishing then so that they know that when you say that, you really mean it. Just don't say, oh dear, that cat's been run over when you want the game to end. Maybe you should. But of course, for as many characters as there are in the dressing up box, there are parenting ways and there are those mums and dads whose ears prick up as the Lego tumbles from the box or who just cannot get the frozen dress on quick enough. And there's no shame at all in that too. Although mum's net a hattie has a little tale of caution. I actively encourage playing hairdressers for all three of mine, which is twofold, really. First, I really want one of them to be a hairdresser so that they can do my hair. Um, And secondly, it's a brilliant hangover game because you can just sort of sit there and have your hair played with and it's lovely. Although, actually, when my daughter was about two, she was going through my sort of large jewellery box and putting stuff in my hair and things. And there happened to be a souvenir there that we had from our honeymoon in Bali, which we'd bought for a friend as a joke. It was a penis key ring. And she put it in my hair and I didn't know she'd put it in my hair and I opened the door to the postman <laughs> with this little penis gearing hanging off my head um, so that was an unsuccessful game of hairdressers but that's normally the game role play game that I encourage the most Well I guess the postman never forgot who lived at that house so we hope all of that has been of some use or reassurance to you there's plenty more chat about what makes baby play fun on the mum's net boards and we have loads of other useful podcasts too just where you found this one all about baby safety health and sleep and relationships and what to do all day when you're at home with your little one and they're all made possible with the help of our lovely sponsors Fairy Non Bio the mum's net baby podcast is a testbed production I'm Fee Glover. Thank you for listening and goodbye.